Green on third down, back in the end zone. McAllister made the catch, and they say he got the foot in. What a play, Green to McAllister. In an early morning post-Thanksgiving showdown on national television, the rest of the country finally got to witness just how special Boise State quarterback Taylor Green is last Friday. Green in the pocket, back to pass. Green going long down the middle. He's got Capels there, caught him at the 10, and scores the touchdown. 50 yards from Green's to Capels. However, it was the longest run in school history that had Albertson Stadium buzzing. In the pistol, Green, zone read, keeps it left side. Green will get to the 10. Could this be a long run? Go, Talon, go! 40, 30, 20, 10. This game is locked up. 91 yards for Talon Green. Welcome once again into J Sports Bar. Jay Tust alongside Shane Williams-Rhodes. What an incredible effort by Talon Green. In an early Friday morning game, we thought it was going to kind of be a sleepy game. Uh, not long after Thanksgiving, the game technically didn't mean anything because Boise had the Mountain West Conference championship game already kind of wrapped up. But, man, what an effort Taylor Green puts out, puts out. Four touchdown passes and an epic 91-yard run that we're going to be talking about for, for probably decades to come at Boise State. I can't do anything but smile. I just love seeing these Texans. We're the Boise State Texans <laughs> at this point. It's great. I mean, that's true. We're, we're going to get to that. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the, this wide receiver group. I know you're going to love to discuss mm -hmm. their development because, like, seven weeks ago, we wondered who was going to make a play in that room, and now mm -hmm. um, that room seems absolutely loaded. We're also going to discuss uh, DJ Schramm's impact on this defense. I think he got snubbed. Should have been a first-team All-Mountain West representative. And, of course, we're going to preview the Mountain West Conference championship game coming up on the blue this Saturday. Boise State taking on rival Fresno State the fourth time these guys have met for the championship for the championship on the blue in the last 10 years and oh yeah you might you might have uh, had some experience in some previous matchups oh, yeah. against the Broncos we do begin with Taylor Green though because he's not just the talk of the podcast he's not just the talk of the town he is becoming the talk um, of, of West Coast college football if you will because of what he is doing right now I mean you know everybody wanted to say that he was a running quarterback right mm -hmm. now, well man Last few weeks, he's proven he's also a throwing quarterback. Shane, um, there is one quarterback in all of college football that over the last five weeks has double-digit touchdown passes and zero interceptions. I'm going to give you one guess who that guy is. Taylor Green. Taylor Green. Let's go. I love it. I mean, it just shows his efficiency, his uh, decision-making. I know me and you uh, kind of talked about it a little bit, but the fact that he doesn't allow his athletic ability to make him do too much. Mm -hmm. He chooses to scramble out of the pocket and extend the play. And if he doesn't like it, he's not taking off and running and risking getting injured. He's throwing the ball away. I think he threw the ball away this game, I want to say six or seven times. So a lot of the times his incompletions are just him throwing the ball away and mm -hmm. making smart decisions, saying, okay, it's third and seven. I don't like it. I'm not going to do too much. I'm going to give my defense back the ball. I mean, give my, put my defense back on the field and get the ball back and just let it go. And you never see that out of young quarterbacks. They're always right. trying to do too much and just make things happen. And I think he's just playing really smart. Well, we go back to the beginning of the year. And, I mean, there were a lot of problems on offense. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the problems that impacted the defense, it was not sustaining drives, you know, getting off the field three and out, might have been turning the ball over, putting them in terrible field position, you know, mm -hmm. where opponents were getting the ball over the 50-yard line and plus territory. And, I mean, those – those opportunities have just been eliminated. I mean, I think the last time 
Taylor threw an interception in, in plus territory was against Fresno State. I mean, that's a month and a half ago. He, is, he, is, uh, he has been so impressive, not only in his growth as a passer, not only in his, his playmaking uh, ability as a runner, but his, I mean, Dirk Cutter told me this week, he's like probably the most impressive thing about Taylor so far is that he has had the ability to take care of the ball. And in those regards, I, I mean, as you just said, I agree. He's, he's playing well beyond his years. Yeah, and to me, the thing that sticks out the most of everything is the play calling, the ability to know what's coming at you and game plan and have multiple game plans. They're not coming into the game anymore with just running three plays. They're coming in with a, with a few game plans. Yep. Whatever it looks like it's working, we're going to go with that. If it's Taylor throwing the ball deep, you know, every drive, mm -hmm. they go with it. If it's, you know... A mixture, they do it. If it's, you know, it's time to just run the ball and ground and pound, then that's what they do. And I like that they're able to adjust. Yep. It's not like we're coming out and saying, this is what we're going to do. If you stop it, that's it. We're going to keep trying it. Like, they have different things. They're coming in with multiple game plans. They're no longer predictable on offense. And that, that comes from X's and O's. It come, it's, that's down to personnel. Um, it's, it's been incredible. You mentioned the play calling. Well, um, this week I had to ask Dirk because, hey, sometimes you dial up the perfect play, and then sometimes you dial up, you know, a, a good play, but then the, the, the Jimmy and the Joe are, are just as good as the X and the O. And, well, on Taylor's 91-yard touchdown run, this was Dirk's reaction to it. Game over. That's what was going through my mind. <laughs> Game over. As soon as he turned that corner, uh, you know, and it was, it was back to a one-score game. We were backed up. They still had – they still had at least one timeout left, so we had to make at least one first down, or they were gonna, you know, have a, try to block a punt or uh, get the ball back and have a shot. You never know what's gonna happen, but yeah, game over as soon as he turned that corner. I've never coached a guy like that that could that could do that. I mean, think of all the great running backs that have come through this place, and and for him to get the longest one, I mean, <laughs> that was impressive for sure. Dirk's coached a lot of really talented human beings when it comes to football. For him to say that he's never per personally had a guy under his tutelage uh, be able to do that, I mean, he, he jokingly said, like, you know, there, that does seem to be something that um, is growing in the game. Like, there are athletic quarterbacks like that. But, he, but for Dirk's personal experiences, he's, he's never had one like Taylor that could do that. I mean, that's, that's some pretty high praise right there. Yeah, I, I agree. It's not a lot of quarterbacks that when they hit the sideline, they're gone. I mean, mm -hmm. even your Lamar Jacksons, you know, you see him cutting back a lot. It's because guys are getting angles on them. They're still getting them. He's more quick than fast. But Taylor has a top-end speed. And, you know, speed is literally stride, length, time, stride, frequency, and he has both. So it's, it helps out a lot. All right, put on my – Look, on, yeah, educated. Oh, wow, geez, okay. <laughs> no, I wasn't expecting speed. that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, you, you are a speed coach, though, too. Uh, for for Taylor, you know, Dirk was mentioning that uh, – well, we can all see he, he his ability to attack vertically has been something that has really progressed. I mean – um, he had the three of his, two of his four touchdown throws. Uh, one was a, a 50 yarder to Latrell Caples. The other was a 25 yarder to um, Eric McAllister. He also had a, a 42 yard catch and run over to Billy Bowens on the left sideline. You know, the way that Dirk phrased this is that he would rather have a guy that looks deep and then works his way back mm -hmm. because it's hard. I can't remember his exact phrase, but it's hard to get a quarterback out of captain checkdown mode, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so. That, that's certainly something cool to see out of a young quarterback that he has confidence to look downfield and come back. That being said, like, that is one area 
I was I just look for to Dirk Cutter for wisdom because he's so good at what he does. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. but he, he's like you know that that's one area that you know he does want Taylor to maybe grow in is that if it's not there, you can come back and you can check down. It, but it's it just it's just hard to be critical though of what of the game tape this kid's putting together because he's been so consistent, he's been so explosive, he's been so dynamic. He saved Boise State season. I mean, he did. I mean, I know that Dirk Cutter had a huge role in that too or whatnot, but Taylor saved Boise State season, and I think you could argue he might have saved the freaking future too. For sure. I mean, everyone looking at this team now can see that for the next three years we will be on top of the Mountain West. I know next year it'll be a little different dynamic with the team. I think our offense will assume the responsibility that our mm-hmm. defense has this year as being, like, the backbone of the team. I feel like Taitlin and all these young guys – on offense will be our backbone, mm-hmm. and then it'll be our defense's chance to rebuild. And, you know, yeah. even with that being said, I mean, I keep seeing young guys come in on defense mm-hmm. every week, and guys who I haven't seen all year are making plays, and, I mean, they're flying around. And so it makes me feel good about what we have coming up in the pipeline. I want to go on to the wide receiver room in just a second here. But before we move on, this week I also had the chance to ask Andy what he thinks of Taylor's development. Now, a week ago, posed the same question to Dirk Cutter. And Dirk said, hey, I have really high expectations. Uh, Taylor has exceeded those expectations. Not necessarily the case for Andy Avalos, who had a feeling this was coming. His development has not surprised me. A couple months ago there was a serious feeling in my stomach that, you know, about him and who he is and his ability and number one who he is as a person and obviously our staff and our team felt the same way again we just spoke on it in terms of his development a lot of that comes down to him staying focused on the things that he needs to there's a lot of uh, external things that really a guy in his place he doesn't and he knows that and he's done a good job with it he'll need to continue to to make sure that he keeps the external external and focus in on what he controls every single day and um, because he's done a good job of that he's done a good job in school we were just talking about academics on Saturday and you know where he's at there and how he's going to finish strong in school too but you know as much as it's being a coach and developing a guy on the field it's also helping them as young men um, you know, walk the path that they need to walk and make sure that, um, you know, as different things try to pull us off that path, we stay where we need to be in our own space. And I think whether it's him or anybody else, as long as we do those things, we'll continue to grow and thrive. I think that's the cool thing about this whole story, Shane, is that you're, you're not only excited for the now, you're excited for the future. And um, good quarterbacks, I mean, we could, we could compare this to the, the, the previous gunslinger that was under center, um, but I just think even in general, Good quarterbacks make people around them better. Mm-hmm. A month and a half ago, eight weeks ago, whenever, whenever it was, September 25th, when the wheels were put in motion on a significant change with this football team, the offensive coordinator was fired, Hank Bachmeyer entered the transfer portal. We were really questioning this wide receiver room. Mm-hmm. We're questioning everything, offensive line, everything, focusing on the wide receiver room. That room seemed to lack talent and playmaking ability, again, eight-ish weeks ago. And now you look at that group and how quickly they have developed, whether it be Dirk Cutter, Andy Avalos, Matt Miller, they all probably deserve some type of credit. Yep. That room seems loaded right now, especially as they move into the future where you could potentially also bring back Steph Cobbs and Billy Bones next year. Steph already said he is coming back. Billy's still making a decision. But you, when you add Eric McAllister and Latrell Caples, I mean, really the only person we absolutely know that they are losing is Davis Cutter, who will, who will move on and graduate. This was his COVID year. He's already graduated. He's just moving on. 
and they got some freshmen, some, some red shirts that they're really excited about. So w when you look at that group, man, like what goes through your mind? It's, it's yeah, it's like you said, the change of I, like Taylor making himself, you know, making the guys around him better. Obviously that played a role with his ability to kind of change up things and change the pace. But I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was all these younger guys and guys who weren't guys who we were thinking about at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of comes in from Taylor being a guy that ran with the twos for a while and the threes for a while. So you see kid, guys like McAllister coming out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Well, for Taylor, McAllister has always been his guy because when he's running with the twos and the threes, McAllister's in. That's who he's used to throwing the ball yep. to. They're comfortable. They, they have, they're in sync. So now this kid is getting thrown on the field to play with Taylor, who he's always been playing with probably the whole fall camp because mm -hmm. he wasn't going with the ones. We knew Hank was the starter. So we were rolling with Hank, and this guy was getting all these reps with Taylor. So you can see that they have an interesting dynamic, and I'm sure they bond a little bit more off the field because kind of coming from the same area, mm -hmm. you know. And then we're running together every day in practice. And so you can kind of see that come on the field. You can see that, yes, Steph Cobbs and Caples are guys who've played more and have more experience, but he has more experience with Taylor. Yeah. And you can see that coming in attack. I mean, as a guy that probably never really ran with the twos at Boise State, missed, missed, yeah, 233 career catches, second all-time at Boise State. Um, clearly, you're, you're drawing from some, t from some type of experience there. And, and you're right. I mean, like, we were asking Dirk Cutter about this this week, and more or less, in, in a much softer way of asking this question, but more or less being like, I mean, what, what, what took so long? Like, how, how, how couldn't, why didn't this happen earlier with Taylor taking over? Because I, I, I just don't think there's, even the kindest person approaching the subject could, could admit that Taylor's better. <laughs> he was the better option coming into the season, right? Um, but, you know, that's, what, that's what basically what, what Dirk said in, in the sense that sometimes you just have to wait for opportunity to align. Yeah. In the preseason, in, you know, in a week's practice, there are only so many reps and snaps and all that stuff to go around, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you, if you have a starter, then whatever's left over, maybe it doesn't give a guy like Taylor Green the chance to truly reveal what he is capable of. Yeah. And... Heck, I think you could even argue that in the first couple of games after Taylor took over. I mean, look how unbelievably different this offense is from the San Diego State game when he first started mm -hmm. until right now. I mean, I literally thought after that San Diego State game, this team is going to run the ball 50 times a game. Yeah. Yeah, it comes back to that play calling that we were talking about. Yeah. They're coming in with multiple game plans and all of this. I, you can see Dirk's experience coming into play for yep. sure. I mean, if it would have been our last OC, it kind of would have just been like, if we go in and it doesn't work, we're just going to keep hitting our head, <laughs> on the, right we're hit our head against this wall <laughs> until, it, until it finally goes yeah. through the wall. But you see, we came into Nevada and we threw the ball like no other in the snow. In the snow! So it's like, it's not predictable. We're, yes. we're, we're definitely, you can see the S evolving. And I think it just makes the next job for this next OC we get much harder. Oh my gosh, right? I mean, the easy part is that he's going to have a little bit of experience with Taylor Green, and he gets Taylor Green to work with, mm -hmm. but uh, to, to do what Dirk Cutter has done, the goal was to put guys in position to succeed and utilize their skill sets, and there has been nothing that defines this football team, especially on offense, more 
over the last eight weeks than, than probably that, that right there. Yeah, and it's just going to – everything that happens next year will be compared to mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. And so everything will go back to, well, he has more experience now, so you should be able to do this. He has this, so you should be able to do this. Dirk did this, so you should be able to do this. So it's a tough job yeah. uh, for the next guy up. It, it does remind me, though, <clears throat> excuse me, of the times when some guy named Chris Peterson was coaching here, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think that one thing that he was so good at doing – was was finding what you were good at, right? Like Mitch Burroughs, or excuse me, Dallas Burroughs was super fast. Mm-hmm. And, and I know Dallas didn't necessarily progress throughout his career, but if you go back when he was a freshman, he was super fast. And what they use him to do? Stretch the field vertically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, he, and he had a few big plays as a true freshman. Eric McAllister, mm-hmm. like what does he do? He, he can stretch the field vertically. So what is he doing for this football team? Yeah. Like, they are finding ways to use these chess pieces, right? And even though you might be really good at one thing, and that's what we want you to be really good at, it just makes everything around you so much better. And Eric McAllister has a phenomenal future ahead of him here playing at Boise mm-hmm. State. Um, but it, it just, it's been cool to see this team really turn the corner and do the things that they, say that, that, that they said that they were going to do um, and they really struggled to do over the first month of the season. I just I, – th- this wide receiver room, it, it just I, – I, man, I, I think that it's finally back, getting back to the point where you fear mo- multiple guys in that room. And, I mean, even last year when Khalil was running around, mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody else really, like, struck fear in you, right? Like, yeah. it was like Khalil, Khalil, Khalil. And granted, that guy was as unique as, as yeah. they come. But if you do go back a few years prior to that, like – Sean Motzer and A.J. Richardson's senior year. I mean, they were both essentially put up very similar stats. Mm-hmm. You had to worry about both of them. Cedric Wilson was, was dancing around mm-hmm. at some point in time in that tenure as well. Yeah. Like, uh, Thomas Spurbeck was involved, in, or yeah. involved in that point in time. Now you just kind of look in that room and you're like, oh, God, I kind of got to worry about Latrell and mm-hmm. – Eric McAllister is pretty much faster than everybody on the field. And, I mean, it's just like you, you don't – it just makes it so much more unpredictable, so much more dynamic, and so much more fun to watch. For sure. He basically doesn't have a go-to guy. Mm-hmm. So he has about three or four guys. You don't know who's going to get the ball because if you look at stats-wise, yeah. they're all around, you know, that same area. One might have more catches, but the other has more yards. Mm-hmm. It's no one who's just going to say, okay, we're going to lock down this guy and then let the other ones beat us. It's like – this week it was McAllister, but, you know, last week it was someone else, and it just it switches. So it's good as an offense because, once again, you're not predictable. You don't right. know who's going to kind of get you this week. Yep. You've been saying this for weeks, though, that if there is a guy that could kind of emerge as a little bit of a leader in that room, and, and well, probably statistically, but uh, just mentality overall, everything, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be Latrell Caples. Yep. And he had one of his best collegiate games this past weekend. Four catches, 78 yards, a 50-yard touchdown. This week, I asked uh, um, Coach Cutter what makes Latrell Capels kind of special in his mind. And it turns out they kind of mirror each other in terms of their approach. Take a listen. One of the things I really admire about Latrell is, is he's kind of a quiet kid, and he was one of the kids that I had a harder time getting to know early when I was, you know, when I was watching. But now that I do know him better, he is a really honest kid and he'll he'll call it like he sees it and even if it's his fault I appreciate that about him a lot and as far as the uh, real confidence fake confidence again that's another thing Andy stresses and I don't I don't think 
I can't think of one guy off the top of my head that sits in these seats that has fake confidence. So when we were talking with Latrell after the game, it's not often that, that you guys over there at Boise State kind of like give us something that's, that's juicy or good. And heck, this might not even be juicy or good, but like when you give us nothing, I'll take this. You know, Latrell in a nutshell said, yeah, we knew that Utah State wasn't going to be able to communicate what we were doing on offense, and we were just going to hit him over the top all, all day. And on his, you go back and you look at his 50-yard his touchdown reception, he motions, he motions in. Utah State's cornerback blocks the other cornerback because they don't communicate. And it was just like, you could tell at the snap, uh -huh. oh, boy. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's going to be a problem. Yeah, it's it's hit, we're hitting the nail on the head every time. It's dirt. It's, mm -hmm. it's the film study. It's the game plan. Um, I mean, we. I feel like we didn't run the ball as well as we'd like to. Probably not. But, I mean, Utah State also clearly came out in that game and said, we're not going to let you run the ball. Yep. We're, we're going to put eight in the box and, mm -hmm. and make your wide receivers who um, were unknowns but now becoming household names beat us, and, and they yeah. beat them all day. And I think that's the same thing that Fresno's going to do. If I'm Fresno, mm -hmm. I stop the run. And I basically say, I want this young quarterback to outthrow me. That's just what you have to do. It's like football one-on-one. -on -one. The number one thing to do against an offense is always have to stop the run. And especially when it's the team who runs the ball as well as we do, mm -hmm. you have to do it. And so I'm assuming they're going to figure out who's that wink link at that back end. Yeah. And they're going to attack them, whether it be just straight out of the gate or motioning guys across mm -hmm. to kind of get those guys to adjust and get a little confused on the defense and have to communicate. But it's coming. How cool is it that you look at the, at the, you know, the, the core of the future for Boise State? Ashton Genty, true freshman running back. Uh, obviously, you have Taylor Green that's a redshirt freshman. Latrell Caples is a sophomore. Eric McAllister is a redshirt freshman. And all these guys hail from the great state of Texas. Yes, they do. Just like Shane Williams Rhodes. I love it. It's a, pi <laughs> it's a pipeline. And I'm, I'm glad it's, it's, it's continuing the pipeline. I was joking around with you about this prior to the show, and I do feel at times like you go down to Texas and they're like, oh, we love football down here. We love it more than you. <laughs> Just saying, I, I played college ball down there and for college baseball down there for a year. And just because you love it more doesn't necessarily mean that you were going to work harder, right? Like, sure. I, like I'm just just my experience. But you look sure. at you look at what's going on right now at Boise State, and man, is that a bad time to bring up that example because yep. those four dudes are dudes. They are. And next year, get your popcorn ready because that that should. I mean, this is going to have fans from the moment this season ends until they finally start fall camp next year. Fans should be excited about speculating what that core can do. I'm just going to say this. When the season – well, not the season. After this game, mm -hmm. when the coaches start, you know, going out on recruiting trips, you know, during bowl prep and all that, yeah. you best believe that they're going to be in Texas and they're going to be selling that mm -hmm. for, for sure. every trip they take. Yep. You know, that we have four young guys. You know, they're all from Texas. You'll have people who – come from where you come from they're gonna they're gonna use that and, and, oh. and they've got a couple ready to go uh breezy that running back man he he looks dynamite um don't know don't necessarily know until they actually get on campus but he looks really really good and i just i continue they're gonna yeah. hit that texas pipeline as much as they can and, and use this momentum that they have in in the great state of texas uh flipping over to the defensive side of the ball uh Boise State, statistically, they have one of the best defenses in the country, whether it be limiting points or limiting yards. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to get into discussion about 
opposing offenses at this moment. This is just it is what it is. You look at limiting points and limiting yards, they have been extremely good this season. All Mountain West awards come out, and they get one out of 11 defensive players, and that's J.L. Skinner on, on defense. I get it. I do. I get it. We, and we talked about it, we hit it every week. It's just kind of like how the offense with the receivers, it's never, I guess, let me see. It's never one guy that is just cleaning everything up. Mm -hmm. It's literally every week, you know, one week it's DJ Shram. Mm -hmm. Next week it's J.L. Skinner, two interceptions, seals the game. The next week Mm -hmm. it's, you know, not Taylor Green, but you got another number 10 on the other side of the ball who's starting his first game ever. And he probably, if he didn't lead, he was close to leading the team in tackles. Mm -hmm. And every play that I watched in that game, if he didn't make the play, he was in the, in the bunch. He was the next guy in. It's like every week there's someone different. You know, one week you had Tyreek Jones show up a lot yep. on tape. It's never one guy. So when you go around the vote, you know, Wyoming might say, well, shoot, J.L. Skinner, got, you know, he sealed the game against yep. us. But then you have, you know, Utah State came in town. I'm like, whoa, that young kid was good. Andrew Simpson, 10 so tackles. Yeah, yeah, so it's like what I, I understand how – this happened. It, yeah. How so happened. in a way, sure. it actually is almost just kind of like it, it kind of like embodies what this team's been all about all year long, right? Mm-hmm. Like there has been kind of, there have been a number of guys on defense that have stepped up. I mean, weeks ago it was George Tarlis. Mm-hmm. My, I, I will, I will take two issues though, and well, actually, kind of got three because in my mind, I've said this all along. George Helani is definitely one of the best two, might be the best running back overall in the Mountain West. Definitely, in my opinion, deserved to be a first-teamer. Jordan Mims, Fresno State's running back, barely edged him out. Had a couple more yards than than a couple more touchdowns than than George. George also missed a game, so if we're going off Mm per-game averages, George was was the guy. And we watch him every week, and I know that George is the guy. (laughs) Give give me him over any other Mountain West running back any day of the week. But on defense, Scott Matlock should have been a first-teamer. And it's just unfortunate because there is no way to measure the value of that guy for the common football viewer to understand his impact. Um, We've talked about him a lot on this show and what he does and tipping plays and how he makes everybody around him better and taking on double teams. And, oh, yeah, now catching touchdown passes, too, again. Uh, But the the other guy, too, for me, is DJ Schramm. Like, 93 tackles, 10 tackles for loss. Um, That's a stat line. There are four All-Mountain West linebackers, four on the first team. I got you. He deserved to be one of those four. My counter to that is when Scott Matlock had to sit out and didn't play, what was his backup stats? The first game that got – How you going to do me like that? So that's what's going to happen. They're going to say, well, he had to sit out. And this guy comes in behind him, and he has three sacks. Yeah. <laughs> Divine like, Obacheri had an awesome game, went the, the one game. And that's why I say every Colorado school State. is going to say, yeah, I get this you. guy, that guy, okay. that guy, that guy, that guy. Okay, I'm good. Okay. We're basically we're a ton of candidates running for one spot, mm-hmm. but we get picked. So we're just taking the votes from each other. Okay. That essentially is what All we're right, doing. All right, I get it. That's cool. I think that's the, that's the problem. It's a great problem to have if you're us because yeah. we have guys everywhere. That's I mean, all I didn't, it means. I didn't know you were going to go against me on that. So... <laughs> I it just I understand is. why we didn't, yeah. but we like you said we have the best defense in the Mountain West for almost every as a, stat as a collective defensively. Unit. Yeah, it's yeah. it shows. Well, and our scores show it also, but it's just yeah. I'm I, I take it a little personal too because Scott is an Idaho kid. 
that just like has overcome everything and like any expectation of what he was going to do at Boise State. He outworked it and just blew any and all expectations out the door. Um, and then the, the same goes for DJ Schramm. Guy barely played for his first four years at Boise State, contributing on some special teams. And all of a sudden this year, just, just every week, probably the most consistent player on the Boise State football team. He had 15 tackles and four tackles for loss last week. He's one of just a handful of guys in, in the NCAA this season that have, multiple, that have had multiple games with four or more, or three and a half or more tackles for loss, right? He had three and a half tackles for loss against Utah State. I want to stay corrected there. But um, that was a guy that uh, really came in and, and it helped lead this defense. And if you question his meaning to the team beyond his production, listen to what defensive coordinator Spencer Danielson has to say about him. The thing about DJ is he is one of the smartest football players I've ever been around. I think Scott, DJ, like there's a couple guys on our team that just are extremely smart football players. And DJ, I can tell him one thing in a meeting room on a Tuesday morning, and he will remember it in the fourth quarter, play 62 where they're driving, right? He just, he has that type of football IQ where, all right, I know when the tailback's here, this area, like he's just that guy. And then when you put a savvy tackler, good blitzer, like these things together, you achieve, you, you, you get the production you see in DJ Schramm right now. And so NFL to however he is going to go going forward, all I know is I love him playing for the Broncos and, and, and you won't find a guy that's a bigger supporter of DJ Schramm and excited what he's done thus far than me. Shane, in your time as a Bronco, who's like the guy or guys, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to put a little pressure on you, on you here, that did all of the little things so well that whether it be Coach Pete or Coach Harson, they had to get him on the field? Um, I'm going to say this. There's two guys, but I understand who you want me to say, but the two guys would be, Matt Miller mm. and Kirby Moore. Oh, wow. Okay. Those, those are two, co- two guys that will be coaching in this game. Obviously, Matt for Boise State. Kirby's yeah. the offensive coordinator for, for Fresno State. Yeah. Ker- Kirby Moore probably hits tough between him and Matt, but I'd say Kirby's probably the smartest uh, guy I've ever played with. The only difference between Kirby and Matt is Kirby was a guy who's really soft-spoken, mm-hmm. you know, pretty quiet, but Matt – I guess for me, Matt was more of a mentor because he was a little closer in age. But Matt is, you know, if I messed up, Matt was going to tell me I messed up and (laughs) and tell me to get it right. And Kirby was more of, you know, the approach was different, Mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, you never see Kirby mad. It's just that they're totally different guys, you know. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, Kirby Moore is a guy. And so I think that's going to play into this game for sure. Well, it's the perfect transition, Shane, as we move now into talk about the Mountain West Conference Championship game. I said this earlier, but Boise State and Fresno State meeting on the blue with the title on the line for the fourth time in 10 years. That should show you right there mm-hmm. I mean, who, who is the, uh, you know, the, the power team in each of these conferences, yeah. right? Like more opt- almost. I mean, 40% of the time, these two teams yeah. have collided for the Mountain West Championship since they've had the championship game. And you look back, Boise State won the first go-around, doubled up Fresno State on the scoreboard, 40-20. to 20. But there are a couple of things that concern me. The first isn't as significant as the second. You go back and you look at the Fresno State game, and again, I know that Boise State ended up doubling up the Bulldogs on the scoreboard. 
But one thing that Fresno State was able to do in that game, even with their backup quarterback, is they were able to sustain drives. And that made it a really good game midway through the third quarter before finally Boise State was able to pull away. Mm-hmm. Now the second thing that concerns me is the biggest thing, and that is the return of Jake Hayner. He did not play in the first game. He is back now. Fresno State has not lost since they played Boise State. Jake Hayner has played in a majority of those games, and he looks like a guy that is on an absolute mission right now at Fresno State. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm probably going to bet the over on that game. <laughs> he is He's a guy, and he's one of those guys that he's so good that it seemed like to me he entered the transfer portal mm-hmm. to follow his coach to Washington. But probably made a I good choice there. Also <laughs> understand why he didn't, why he got himself out of there. Because if you look at Washington right now, they're number yeah. one in the country in passing the ball. Yeah. Because they have a great quarterback. So with that being said, this this guy is. He's, he's a real a, deal. I, I think it was a great move on his part because Michael Penix up at Washington has yeah. been. He's just playing at a Heisman Trophy caliber uh, level right now, which kind of pains me because he torched my Cougs this last week. <laughs> it wasn't even fun. I'm not gonna lie. Like stop <laughs> being fun to watch the game. But that, you know, Jake is, uh, he's the best quarterback in the Mountain West Conference, at least this year. Talon's going to take that reins uh, before long, but he's the best quarterback. And if you are the Mountain West, and and considering this game is on national television, you could not be more stoked for a potential matchup in your championship game than not just Boise State and Fresno State, but for Talon Green and Jake Hayner. And now this is an opportunity. We know Jake Hayner can win a shootout. Can Talon Green match a guy that is going to put his foot on the pedal the entire game? Yeah, and they win games differently. Obviously, we, me and you ch- chat about this mm-hmm. a little bit, but, uh, I mean, there's been three fourth quarters where we, you know, we just kind of needed something. Yeah. Oregon State, we needed a spark in the fourth quarter to maybe make that comeback. Taylor pulls it, he goes, you know, it's a little closer game, mm-hmm. maybe like nine-point game. But, and then you have uh, Wyoming. He pulls it, seals it. Yep. Uh, that's another one. You, uh, you, you actually bring up the Oregon State game, and, and when that happened, like, I know that you look at the final score of that thing, and it was 34-17, but there was a point in time where Boise State scored. They're trying to get that stop on, like, the 40, mm-hmm. and uh, Coletto, that all-purpose weapon that they have, you know, broke one to the house, and that kind mm-hmm. of ended the game there. But you bring up Wyoming, makes a nice play at the end of that game. It seemed like he was so close to that breakthrough at BYU. We just had a couple yeah. – we had to wait a couple weeks mm-hmm. for it to see it happen, but we definitely saw it against Utah State. Yeah. And so now you're kind of seeing Taylor and Taylor's ability to maybe handle the pressure yeah. and, and close out these big games. And he's going to have to do that against the Bulldogs. For sure. And believe it or not, I was sitting at, at home watching the game, mm-hmm. uh, and I actually said, I kind of want Utah State to score here. Yeah. As bad as it sounds. Because you give the kid a chance to I wanted to see how we would respond mm-hmm. to us being down with two minutes left to go in the game mm-hmm. and us having to go make a play. And I, I wanted to see it, but... We stopped him, mm-hmm. which was great. We, you know, we, we, now I know, okay, we can sell the game. But then we saw Taylor still go and make that go-ahead play that we would have saw mm-hmm. vice versa. And so it was, it was good to see him put it away. This is a, an area, too, that, you know, Boise State has been really good. Their, their third down defense, whether they get opponents behind the chains or they just get stops on third downs. They've been one of the best third down defenses in college football this year. But, man, Jake Hayner, he, like, all that kind of goes out the window. I mean, I want to say Fresno State's converting like 46% of their third downs. I don't know that yeah. since he's been back around the season, but like that is a a really high rate. And there are I, I just even if Boise State, you know, if they go on, they win this game. There are going to be a number of these moments where fans, you know, it's third and 
11 or whatever, and it's like Jake Hayner does Jake Hayner, and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. man, I've got to try to get load, reload and get another stop, you know? It's, it's going to happen. I think defensively we got to send pressure. We have to. We cannot in let num- In numbers or is it just about the front? Like can you get home with four or do you send, have to send numbers? I say we send one more than they can block. And, I, and at this point, when you do that, your corners should know. Football intelligence, FBI, we talk about it. Mm-hmm. They should know if we're sending pressure, they need to be more aggressive okay. because the ball's going to come out a little faster. faster. Don't play soft and allow them to do quick game things because mm-hmm. they're getting pressure. So we're going to have to play a little tighter. Pressure better get home then. Exactly. <laughs> Agreed. So that's where that's where the X's and O's come in. Yeah. You're going to have to send some out because you cannot let him be comfortable it, in that pocket. It seems like it would be really hard to execute that for 60 full minutes. So I just I, it just seems like there are going to be some ebbs and flows in this mm-hmm. game. Like on the one play that maybe pressure doesn't get home and you are jamming, like – can the cornerback go and win that battle where the cards mm-hmm. are stacked against him? Or if the receiver does, how does Taylor Green and the offense answer back? Like, that's why this, this is just going to be such a fun game to watch, fun game to cover, because you really do have two really good teams that I think – the Mountain West has been down this year, and I think we can all agree with that. But way back in, you know, when the temperature was 100 degrees and actually above that when we were all huddled down there in Las Vegas and Mountain West media days, mm-hmm. everybody said as Boise State and Fresno State in the Mountain West Conference Championship game. Yeah. And here we are, and the temperature can't even get the, you know, freezing and, uh, or above freezing. And uh, this, is, this is where we're at. I, this, is, this is what we expected. So um, as we look to wrap up here, Shane, well, how do you think this one plays out? Over, under, 54, 54 and a half. That's low. That's low. Boise State by three, which that also suggests they say home field's worth about three. If this is a neutral, you can't ask for a better better championship matchup. I'm telling you right now, the lock of the weekend, you heard it here first, (laughs) is Boise State over. Okay. Boise State over. It's a lock. Whether it comes from Fresno scoring more or us scoring more, it will happen. (laughs) But that is a lock. Hopefully not Fresno scoring more, but yeah. But uh, three points. This game could be decided by three or four. Yeah. Hopefully it's four, so someone has to go down and score a touchdown. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'll take Boise State cover the spread. Well, Boise re- State by four. I, I, I will say, over. I, if it comes down to three or comes down to that type of game, I also give Boise State the edge because Jonah Dalmas. He's a better kicker than what yeah. Fresno State has. He's, he's more efficient. He's, he's better from distance. Mm-hmm. Might come down to that. Over. Boise State plus three. There it is. There it is. You gonna go? You gonna, how, you gonna, how you gonna consume this this, this Titanic championship matchup? Oh man! I, I mean, they, they got to fill the stadium from nothing. Z- I, mm-hmm. st- season tickets, none of that. I counts. don't think you're gonna have a hard time after you know the, how the season's been mm-hmm. and how we responded last week. Yeah, I think that will help for sure. Well, we'll see if they can get it done. It's been a blast, Shane, as always. Uh, we'll have to see if we can get you back in here for a little pre-bowl. Yeah, you get a bowl matchup. That matchup, right? Sure. We'll, we'll know. Hey, Boy State wins on Saturday. We know that they're going to, lot, to the L.A. Bowl, which was the old uh, Las Vegas Bowl. They're going to play a Pac-12 team. If Fresno State loses, it yeah, gets you, a little more murky. Can just not play Washington, please? Well, I don't think you have to play Washington. It might, might be Washington State, which is uh, I like this that. year's team. Hey, come on now. Jeez, <laughs> I like man. that much better. <laughs> Shane, Shane, as always, we appreciate it, brother. <laughs> No All right, that'll do it for this edition of J Sports Bar, serving the out of sports community.